Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the church and spiritual warfare. During this series, Kevin Connor's best-selling book, The Church in the New Testament, is available at 50% off as an immediate PDF download from kevinconnor.org. Select monthly special. Doing for a number of weeks now on the church and spiritual warfare, and we want to take up the next... Uh, part of our series again this morning. So let's take our Bible in our hands and let's uh, ask the Lord to bless us as we share his word this morning. Father, we, we take your word in our hands, this word that you've exalted even above all your name and this word that is forever settled in heaven. Pray, Lord, that you'll bless your word to our hearts. You said, man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. May the word that we share this morning be a preceding word, a quickened word. Uh, the word that we speak, may they be spirit and may they be life. We depend upon your spirit to give life to the words. And we ask this in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'd like you to turn your Bibles this morning as we continue uh, in Numbers chapter 14. Two passages of scripture this morning as we continue on our series on the church and spiritual warfare. So Numbers chapter 14, two or three verses from this chapter, and then uh, Psalm 95. So Numbers chapter 14, and then Psalm 95. Numbers chapter 14, and we'll pick up in verse 21 through to 24. Numbers 14, verses 21 through to 24. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. We sing that scripture, and it's a tremendous promise. But it was given at the really almost the pinnacle of the nation of Israel's unbelief. They had just come to the edge of Canaan land, and now they've turned their back on the land. And in spite of that, God says, as truly as I live. And how many know that God is living this morning? We serve a living God. But as truly as I live, all the earth, and that includes Australia, I believe, and Malaysia, China, and Russia, and Japan, and Indonesia, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Continuing in verse 22, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Let's go over to Psalm 95, Psalm 95, and verses 8 through to 11. Psalm 95, verses 8 through to 11. And here the psalmist says, Harden not your heart as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. There are two particular sentences I want to pick up uh, in those passages there. They tempted me these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. 
the ten temptations of the wilderness, and then in this part, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Now for those of you who have been following through with the series, uh, following through with us on the series, let me just remind you, and if you have not been here, I'd like to encourage you to uh, at least get a tape and uh, pick up where we've been uh, working through. Now in our series together we've been looking at the nation of Israel and remembering what Paul taught the Corinthians that all these things happen unto them for types and examples and are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. And so here we have a picture of Israel's warfare. They were the church in the wilderness, God's army. And uh, we've seen that uh, as far as God was concerned, there were three phases of the war that they were to go through. There was the phase one of Egypt, conquering Egypt. Then phase two, uh, conquering the wilderness. And this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. In fact, for those of you taking notes, title of our message this morning is The Wilderness and the Flesh. Everybody say that with me. The wilderness and the flesh. The wilderness and the flesh. And the third phase of the war was going to be Canaan. Now as we've been seeing together and using this picture, they were not ready for warfare in Canaan until they'd conquered that uh, area and phase of warfare in the wilderness. And they didn't conquer the warfare in the wilderness because they never conquered Egypt. As we saw in our last two Sundays, uh, they came out of Egypt, but Egypt never came out of them. And in their hearts, they're continually turning back into Egypt. So in spiritual sense, we say the church has three phases of warfare. We have to conquer Egypt, the world, which is the enemy without. That was the external enemy. And then we have to conquer the wilderness, which represent the flesh and the enemy within, the internal battles. And then we move on to conquer Canaan, representing uh, the kingdom of darkness, principalities and powers and wicked spirits in high places, the enemy above or the infernal enemy. So external enemy, the battle without, and the internal enemy, the battle within, the infernal enemy, the battle above. Now, God brought Israel out of Egypt, not into the wilderness. His ultimate purpose was to bring them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into Canaan. The wilderness was never God's will. So this morning we want to talk about the wilderness and the flesh. Now, there are several things I want to get across to you this morning, and I believe it's a very important word that I want to share with you in our series. And uh, we still have a couple more Sundays in which we'll be on this series together. First thing I want you to note is this. The wilderness is the great exposure of what is in the heart and it brings out either the best or the worst in all of us. Let me say that again. So lesson number one, bringing them out of Egypt into the wilderness. The wilderness is the great exposure of what is in the heart. It either brings out the best or the worst in all of us. And uh, as we go through this, we find that God often brought his people uh, into a wilderness for his own purpose. And so remember what I'm saying here. The wilderness is the great exposure of what's in my heart, what's in your heart. It brings out either the best or the worst in us. Let's think of some of the people that God brought into a wilderness. David was a man that uh, was driven into the wilderness after he'd been anointed with the holy oil uh, by the prophet Samuel and the Spirit of the Lord had come upon David. He was a worshipper, would worship the Lord with his instrument, his guitar, and make psalms up and sing and worship the Lord. But he was driven into a wilderness after his anointing. And uh, uh, the, the wilderness of uh, hunted by King Saul... 
But uh, the best came out in David in the wilderness because as you go through the book of Psalms, sometimes you'll find up the top of the Psalms, the uh, inscription, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Zin, or a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Nob, uh, being hunted by Saul. And so though David was in the wilderness... Uh, and being hunted by Saul's system, uh, who wanted to uh, assassinate him, yet the best came out. And out in the wilderness, many times he'd cry, O oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My heart and my flesh long for thee, uh, the living God. When will I come and appear before you? So David in the wilderness, hunted by the Saul system, and yet his heart is after God. So the wilderness either brings out the best or the worst in us. We can think of Elijah uh, after uh, Jezze, old Jezebel, uh, threatened his life. David, uh, Elijah, pardon me, fled into the wilderness. And what came out in Elijah? And uh, remember that Jezze is the only woman in the Bible that painted her eyelids. And the dogs got her. Uh, uh, you didn't take that for whatever it's worth anyway. I won't charge you for that little bit. Funny where these things come from. They just sort of flash into my mind and they pop out my mouth and I think I was, I shouldn't have said that, should I? But I did enjoy saying it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, Elijah's driven into the wilderness there and Jezzy's after him. And what comes out in him? Discouragement. Oh, Lord, I'm the only pebble on the beach. Well, that's the mind language. I'm the only one left that's killed all the prophets that have slain your servants and I'm the only one left. And God says, look, shut up. I've got 7,000 in reserve that you know nothing about. They may be hiding in caves, but you're not the only pebble on the beach. And so Elijah in the wilderness and then uh, Jesus was driven into the wilderness. In fact, when I was younger, a uh, younger Christian, I, I wish somebody had have sort of told me this because many times, you know, actually some of us, not all of us, some of us actually get conned into being a Christian. You know that, you know, you hear these guys, come and accept Jesus and all your troubles will end. You'll have no problems from now on. Jesus is your fix-it man. He's your Santa Claus. He'll give you gifts and think, oh yeah, I don't mind being a Christian if it's that easy. But how many know there's a lot of fine print? P.S. God is out to kill you. <laughs> and they never tell you about that, that you lose one set of problems and get a different set. So I wish I had been told this when I was younger. You know, when Jesus, uh, 30 years in silence, and then uh, at the age of 30 years, he comes and is water baptized in obedience to the command of the Father. Holy Spirit baptism comes upon him. And immediately after water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism, what happens? We're told the Spirit drives him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, it doesn't happen for everybody because God does have some favorites, I think though he says he's no respecter of persons. But most of us, after we get water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, we think the world's waiting for the manifestation of us, and uh, they're not. Uh, we're driven into a wilderness experience to be tested and tried of the devil. Didn't know about it. And I thought once I got water baptized after a lot of battles and filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, the world was waiting for the manifestation of Kevin John Connor. And people just said, well, Jesus, and now I'm Paul, I know, but who the devil is Kevin John Connor? <laughs> and you're just driven into a wilderness to be tempted. Well, for Jesus, the wilderness was a time when he overcome the, uh, overcome the devil and said, it is written, it is written. And so God often brought his people through the wilderness. 
Now, as I said here in our diagram, when God brought Israel out of Egypt, his destination, his ultimate and perfect will was Canaan. He wanted to bring them out of Egypt into Canaan, but through the wilderness. Now, from Egypt to Canaan was meant only to be two years' journey. When they came to Kadesh Barnea, it's about two years and that was the edge of the promised land. But what did they do? Because of things we're looking at this morning, the wilderness and the flesh, they prolonged their journey another 38 years. And we can prolong our journey in the wilderness if we want to. But the wilderness is never God's perfect will. It's not his destination. It was meant to be transitional, temporary, and out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into Canaan. Now I want you to go back to Numbers chapter 14, the first passage we read. Numbers chapter 14. Now as I said, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, it's part of the, uh, uh, the dealings of God with Israel in the wilderness. And uh, as we're going to see, we, we find that when God brought Israel into the wilderness... It brought out the worst in them. It exposed their heart. The wilderness was the great expose of what was in the heart. And so to say, in this case, it brought out the worst in them. So how could they conquer in Canaan if they couldn't conquer in the wilderness? And one of the major reasons we see why they didn't conquer in the wilderness is because they never conquered Egypt in their hearts. They're turning back into Egypt. All right, now in Numbers chapter 14, in verse 20, uh, 22, the Lord is saying, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, so Egypt and the wilderness, my glory, my miracles, which I did in Egypt and the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and had followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, we don't want to spend the time on this, but I want you just, if, for those of you who are taking down the notes, take down these ten provocations or these ten temptations in the wilderness. So all this would go in here. Brought out of Egypt into the wilderness, but never conquered the wilderness. And so, sorry to say, this whole generation, though, washed in the blood, water baptized in the Red Sea, under the cloud of the Holy Spirit, singing the song of Moses and the Lamb, dancing and rejoicing with Miriam and the temples, they never saw Canaan, but they died in the wilderness. So how could they conquer there when they never conquered here? And they never conquered here because they never conquered there. Now, these are the ten temptations, and uh, we want to move just very briefly through this, just for those who are taking notes here. Ten provocations in the wilderness. Okay, so Exodus chapter 13 and verse 11, there was the provocation of the Red Sea. Let's go back into Egypt. The Red Sea's before us. Fader there. The, he says... Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times. Now, there seems to be more than ten, but ten is really the number of testing, trial, 
and uh, probation here. And uh, they put God through these ten provocations, provoking God. Number two, Exodus 15, verse 23, when they came to Marah. Oh, the waters are bitter. There's nothing here for us to drink. They provoked God. They tested God, put him to the test. Number three, Exodus 16, verses 1 to 3, the manna. We've got nothing to eat. We remember the leeks and the garlics and the cucumbers and everything that gives you the burps and 40 foot of indigestion. Uh, so God gave them manna. Number four, Exodus 17, 17. They came and there was no water to drink. And what are we going to drink for water? We remember down in Egypt. So God gave them waters out of the rock. Number five, Numbers chapter 11, verses one to uh, three. The wilderness journey. Complain about the journey. Oh, the way is so hard. It was so easy down in Egypt. And so complaints again. Number six, Numbers chapter 13 and 14, the chapters we're looking at here. Kadesh Barnea. So the Kadesh was meant to be the gateway into the promised land. Now it becomes a goal, a dead end instead of a living beginning. Uh, a living beginning. Number 7, number 16. In fact, the whole chapter is not only verse 3 and 41. Complaint against the leadership, Moses and Aaron. Provo provocations these ten times. You've tested me, you've provoked me in the wilderness. Number eight, Numbers 20, verses 2 through to 5. They're out of water again. What are we going to do for water? Why didn't they remember the miracle that God did back there on the rock? And so they provoke God again. Number nine, Numbers chapter 21, verses 3 to 5. The, the, the wilderness complained again, murmuring, we're tired of this manna. We've had McDonald's manna burgers for 40 years. We're fed up with it. We've got no more recipe books. We don't know how else to make manna burgers. And then number 10, the uh, Numbers chapter 25, the Moabitish immorality and the thousands that were slain. These 10 times you have tempted, tempted me in the wilderness. You've seen my signs in Egypt in the wilderness and these ten times you've tempted me. Now I want you to go over to a very important scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8 here. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I want us to look at the very heart of what I believe was the reason they failed in the wilderness. Now remember what we've been saying and I want to thank you as a congregation. There's so many adults and so many young people who thanked me for last Sunday morning on the church and the world. And I appreciate that because uh, I wasn't sure whether you turned me off or anything like that again, but I want to thank everybody who encouraged me and received the word that we shared last Sunday morning on the church and the world. All right, now, here's the point. They have come out of Egypt, and I know I repeat this, but they've been saved by the blood of the Passover lamb. They've been water baptized in the Red Sea. They've come under the cloud of the Holy Spirit and had uh, the song of the law and the song of Moses and Miriam and the women rejoicing. Now they're in the wilderness. Now the root problem, saints, listen to me, because all these things happen under them for types and examples and written for our admonition. The root reason, root problem why they never come overcome in the wilderness is what we're looking at in Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to give you a statement first. Why Israel actually became the army that failed? And here's the point. Israel did not understand God's purpose in the wilderness. Israel did not understand God's purpose in the wilderness. That God's purpose in leading them out of Egypt was not into the wilderness, but through the wilderness into Canaan. 
And because they didn't understand God's purpose in the wilderness, that's the bottom line why they failed. That's what we're looking at this morning. Now I want to give you five things from Deuteronomy chapter 8 of God's purpose in the wilderness. God's purpose in the wilderness. And it's so important because, as we saw last week, the bottom line for them was they never overcame in the wilderness because in their hearts, seven times, in their hearts, in their hearts, they're turning back to Egypt. But also the bottom line is they didn't understand God's purpose in the wilderness. All right, listen to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 1 through to uh, 1 through to 4, and then over to verse 15. Listen carefully to the language, and there's five particular things that I want you to pick up about God's purpose in the wilderness here. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the ways which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which you thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Go to verse uh, 15 who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee and that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end. Now there's five things, saints, I want you to pick up here because I know I keep saying it, but it's so important in this whole concept of spiritual warfare. We're not going to conquer in Canaan principalities, powers, wicked spirits and heavenly places unless we conquer in the wilderness the flesh. And we're not going to conquer the wilderness, the flesh and the enemy within the internal, the battle within, unless we conquer the world, the Egypt, the enemy, with out with external. We won't conquer the infernal unless we conquer the internal. And we won't conquer the internal if we don't conquer the external. So there's an external warfare, the pull of the flesh, the pull of the world. There's an internal warfare that you and I have. I have it, saints. Don't think because I preach up here that I don't go through battles. I'm as human as you are. I have feet of clay. I'm a human being. I'll have to continue to remind you that because you think I'm Moses up here sometimes. Okay, and we're not going to conquer the infernal unless we do it in this order. Now, listen to the fivefold purpose of God leading Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness to take them into Canaan. Number one, verse two. And you will remember all the way which the Lord your God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Number one, to humble you. To humble you. Very important. He says it in verse 2 and verse 16. That he might humble thee. That he might humble thee. All of us have what I call pride levels. I have them. And you know, spiritual gifts can bring spiritual pride. Even knowledge of the word. Knowledge puffs up. And I, I can think, well, I know the Bible. I know a lot of the Bible. But even knowledge of the Bible can puff a person up. We all have different pride levels. I find now the more I know, the less I know. And so we all have different pride levels, some more. And so God's purpose was in the wilderness to humble thee because in verse 14 he says, lest when they come into the land and they get houses and they're full and they've got herds and flocks and silver and gold and they're multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up. 
pride. And verse 17, and you say in your heart, my power and the might of my arm hath gotten me this wealth. But you will remember the Lord your God. It is he that gives you power to get wealth. So materialism and depending on material things and so forth. So God says, I'm leading you in the wilderness, number one, to humble you. Now, they didn't understand God's purpose. Number two, the next part, and to prove you, or literally to test you. And so God puts us through the wilderness to test us, to prove us. I go through it, you go through it. We're all made of the same stuff. Anybody who ministers from the platform, we're all made of the same stuff. We're made of the same stuff as you are. So to prove you. And then number three, to know what was in your heart. So as I said, the wilderness is going to bring out the best or the worst in them. It's going to expose what's in the heart. And you see, I often, you know, have people come into my office for counselling and so forth, and they say to me statements like this, Kevin, that's not like me. That's not my nature. I'm not like that. You know, uh, I, I would, I'd never think of doing that. I don't know why I did that. That's not in me. Saints, it's in every one of us. It's in everyone, it's in me, it's in you. And you see, the more I understand my own human heart and my own fallen nature, what we inherited in Adam, the more we understand in each other. Because all of us, and we don't like to hear these things because we're living in, you know, positive self-image and self-esteem and feel good about yourself. No, the more we understand the fallenness of our human nature, the more we're going to be dependent upon the Lord. Because all of us have the potential of all the most horrendous evils in the world. And so when people say to me in my office on counseling, say, oh, that's not me, you know, I'm not like that. I have to say, I'm sorry, you are like that, I'm like that. It's in every one of us in our fallen nature, apart from the restraining grace of God. How many appreciate the grace of God? So we have to understand our own fallen nature and all the potential of evil that's in every one of us, including myself. But I appreciate that I'm a partake of the divine nature too. And so to know what was in your heart. So the wilderness is going to bring out the best and the worst in us. And God knows what circumstances to put us in to expose what's in the inside. How do you think I know this, saints? Because he's done it to me over the years. And I used to think, Lord, oh, that's not like me. Kevin Connor, he's such a holy Joe. He wouldn't do a thing like that. That's not, where did that come from? And the Lord says, out of your own wicked heart. And so God knows how to orchestrate circumstances to put us in to expose what's on the inside, to know what was in the heart, because we don't know our heart. The heart is deceitfully, uh, desperately wicked and deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God. So God says, look, I'm bringing you in the wilderness, number one, to humble you, number two, to prove you, and number three, to know what's in your heart. Number four and to see whether you would keep his commandments or not. So the, the issue there is obedience. So look, I've led you all this way in the wilderness. What for? This is my purpose in the wilderness. Unless you understand my purpose in the wilderness, you're not going to conquer in the wilderness. So how will you ever conquer Canaan? And so to know whether you would keep his commandments or not, obedience. And then number five, you go down to verse three on this part. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might, this is number five, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And it's very significant that when Jesus was water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, what chapter did Jesus quote from when, when Satan said to him, turn these stones into bread? Jesus went right back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, the purpose of God leading Israel in the wilderness and said, man shall not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds, it's a preceding word, it's a now word, the Greek thought is, I believe, that uh, every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God, he goes way back to this. So Jesus overcome in the wilderness in his 40 days temptation while Israel suffered defeat 40 years in the wilderness and temptation. He's 10 times you provoke me. And so saints, it's really important and I, I, I have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to apply it to you individually as he does to my own heart because this has helped me over the years that I've come out of the Egypt world and I go through the wilderness and the battle within that Kevin Connor has as we all do because I'm made of the same stuff as you. But I do under, understand God's purpose in the world. Why, why, why? Why bring us in the wilderness? What about Egypt? You've no, you haven't given us Canaan but they don't understand that God wanted them to go through the wilderness because... They were not ready for warfare in Canaan. He led them out of Egypt and led them the long way round, lest when they see war, they go back to Egypt. So the wilderness was God's sort of camp, boot camp, uh, bivouac. I mean, you understand what I mean by bivouac. All those who have been in the military will understand that. Okay, to toughen them up to have warfare here. And so God leads us through the wilderness. We used to sing it back in the dark ages. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. And all we have to do is follow. Anybody remember that one? Well, at least ten of us, praise God. <laughs> all right, the wilderness. So five things. The, God's purpose in the wilderness was, number one, to humble them. Number two, to prove them. Number three, to know what was in their heart. Number four, to see whether they would keep his commandments or not. And number five, to make them know that you don't live by bread only and manna burgers but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. Now I want you to go over to the book of Psalms and I want you to go to two Psalms and these Psalms are what I call wilderness Psalms. They are Psalms of the uh, history of Israel through the wilderness and there's some real vital lessons here, saints first, because now he's talking about principalities and powers and wicked spirits unless we've won the battle here. So let's turn to Psalm 106 and also Psalm 78. So Psalm 106 and Psalm 78. These are two Psalms of the wilderness or wilderness Psalms. And I want you to pick up some important words here. Now the issue is, as I've been saying, God often took his saints into a wilderness and the wilderness will bring out the best of the worst in us. Number two, we need to understand God's purpose in the wilderness. And now... The thing is, if we don't understand God's purpose in the wilderness, this is what came out, what comes out, and this is what came out in Israel. Okay, Psalm 106, and listen to the language here. We'll pick up in verse 7. Psalm 106 and verse 7. And I want you to say some words after me because the, this is the reason. See, God took them into the wilderness. They didn't understand his purpose in the wilderness, and so these things came out. Because we're looking at the wilderness and the flesh. And when we talk about the wilderness and the flesh, we always think, you know, sins of the flesh, we're always thinking about sexual sins. No, not necessarily. 
That can be part of it. But there are many sins, many works of the flesh, sins of the flesh, besides uh, sexual immorality and so forth. So we'll see that as we work through this here. All right, Psalm 106, and say the words that I want you when I ask you to, please. There's body ministry here. Verse 7. Our fathers understood not. Everybody say, understood not. So they understood not thy wonders in Egypt. I brought you out of Egypt. I've taken you through wilderness. You don't understand what I did in Egypt. You don't understand what I'm doing in the wilderness. Don't fail you to understand God's purpose. So our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not. Everybody say remembered not. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him. Everybody say provoke. That provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so that he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. Go down to verse uh, 12. Then believed they his words. So now we'll believe, now God's drowned them, you know, and everything we'll sing his praise, hallelujah. But verse 13. Uh, let's say this next word. They soon forgot. Everybody say forget. Or forget or forgot. Okay, did you forget or did you forgot? Or forget. Okay, forget. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. Verse 14. But lusted. Everybody say lusted. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. Oh, this is all wilderness problems that are coming out now. Because they didn't understand his purpose in the wilderness. And tempted God. Everybody say tempted God. Tempted God in the desert, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness in their soul. They envied, everybody say envied. envied. They envied Moses also in the camp, and Aaron the saint of the Lord. Uh, verse 19, they made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Uh, verse 21, they forget, everybody say forget. forget. They forget God their saviour, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Hammond, terrible things by the Red Sea. Verse 24, yea, they despise, everybody say despise. They despise the pleasant land. They believe not, everybody say believe not. They believe not his word, but murmured, everybody say murmured. But murmured in their tents and hearkened not to the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness. You'll never handle Canaan unless you handle the wilderness. Let's go over to Psalm 78. And this is another Psalm of the wilderness. Psalm 78, Psalm 78, pick up in verse 1 and just pick up a few of the words here. Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, I will utter dark sayings of all which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works he have done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So you've got three or four generations there, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might not be as their fathers, as stubborn. Everybody say stubborn. And rebellious. Everybody say rebellious. 
a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Uh, verse 11, and they forget his works. Everybody say forgot. And his wonders did he show. The marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through and he made the waters to stand as a heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them uh, drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like waters and they sinned. Everybody say sinned. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking, say provoking, the most high in the wilderness. And they tempted God, everybody say tempted God, in their heart by asking meat for their lust, everybody say lust. Verse 22, because they believe not, everybody say believe not. Uh, Go to verse 32, and for all this they sinned still and believe not, everybody say sinned and believe not. Verse 36, nevertheless they did flatter him with their mouth, everybody say flatter him. And they lied unto him. Everybody say lied unto him. With their tongues for their heart. Say they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongues for their heart was not right with him. In their hearts, neither were they steadfast in their covenant. Go down to verse 40. How oft did they, everybody say provoke? Provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Yea, they, everybody say turned back. They turned back and tempted God. Everybody say tempted God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. Everybody say limited. Verse 42. They remembered not. Everybody say remembered not. They remembered not his hand nor the day when he delivered from from the enemy. How he wrought his signs in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zion. I want you, as we bring our meeting to a close here, I want you to see the, the wilderness, the sins of the flesh, what came out of them because God took them into a wilderness to take them through, but they didn't understand his purpose in the wilderness. And because they didn't understand his purpose in the wilderness, this is what came out. As I said, the wilderness either brings the best or the worst out in every one of us. Okay, number one, turning back. In their hearts, they turn back to Egypt. You remember that message? That's the bottom line why they never come over Egypt, overcome Egypt. Number two, they understood not his ways, understanding not his ways. Number three, they forgot God's mercies. As I said, you know, I counsel people from time to time, I'll listen and I'll think, oh God, in their hearts they're turning back to Egypt. They don't understand your ways. They've been brought up in the house of the Lord. They know church, know it all, been there, done that, clapped their hands, heard preaching for years, oh yeah, so what? You know, understood not his way. They forget God's mercies. How many appreciate the mercies of God? I'll sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Just the mercy of God, saints, that I can stand before you this morning. Stubbornness. Listen to the definition of stubbornness. Stubbornness means unreasonably obstinate, inflexibly fixed in opinion, not to be moved or persuaded by reasons, inflexible as a stubborn son or a stubborn mind or soul, Uh, stiff, not flexible. And so I counsel sometimes from time to time and I plead with people, well, don't do that. Young people, don't go living in sin. You know, give it up. Where are you going to go? Well, if I died or not, I could go to hell, but I know it's wrong, but, but stubbornness, inflexible, unreasonably obstinate, not to be moved or persuaded by opinions. 
Uh, rebellion. Listen to just one definition of rebellion. It means to uh, open resistance to lawful authority. So they rebelled against his word, rebelled against Moses, and rebelled against Aaron and so forth. Just rebellion. Don't be a stubborn and rebellion generation as they were. Tell it to the generation, the generation following. Lusts, envies, unbelief, they believe not. Murmurings, over and over again murmurings. Provoking God to anger, tempting God, limiting God. When they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Unbelief says, can God? Belief says, God can. Let's switch it down the right way. Flattering God with their mouth. Oh yes, Lord, I love you and you're wonderful. You know what the word flatter means? It actually means to soothe by praise. To praise falsely, to please a person by applause. And we can flatter God, you know, soothe God by praise. We praise you, Lord, hallelujah. And that, but, you know, they're hard. They're hard. They, they did it all with their mouth, but their heart was not right with God forsaking God and idolatry, and the whole thing ends up in the book of Numbers. I went through Exodus and Numbers. It ends up in immorality. So the wilderness brought the best of the worst out of them. There's actually 20 sin, 26 listings of sins in those wilderness psalms. They understood not, they rem- remember not, and rebelled. And you see, rebellion leads to all kinds of other sins. And I put it in this order. Lack of understanding leads to forgetting his mercies and this leads to rebellion and rebellion breeds out all these other sins. The wilderness brought the worst out of them, especially that first generation. Now I'd like you to turn to uh, two more scriptures as I finish here. I'd like to finish on a more positive note. Everybody said hallelujah. Turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 5. As we bring our word to a close here. So as we see here, Joshua 5, while I'm talking, so we see the reasons Israel never overcome in the wilderness was because of these things. Turning back on their hearts to Egypt, not understanding God's ways, forgetting God's mercies, stubbornness, rebellion, and all these other uh, evils that came out of their heart. Listen to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua 5. And this is sort of a summary on what we've been going through here. Summary on what we've been going through. Verse 6. Joshua is now with the new generation. And uh, he's just rehearsing some things with the new generation who were going to conquer Canaan. So in verse 6, For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people that were men of war. Everybody say men of war. This is the tragedy, saints. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war. So they were men of war. But they never conquered as men of war. They never conquered Egypt because in their hearts, they're turning back to the world. They never conquered the wilderness because in their hearts, these things. Though they were men of war. But they never conquered Canaan. So God wiped a whole generation out, saved by the blood of the Passover lamb, water baptized in the Red Sea, under the cloud of the Holy Spirit, singing and dancing, men of war, but never overcome. They never lived to see the land of Canaan that God intended to bring them into. They died out, that generation. 
For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness to all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us a land that flows with milk and honey. I want you to go back for our final verse here, Numbers chapter 14, where we began as we bring our message to a close. We want to end on a positive note because as I was studying this, I said, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to be a victorious believer. Amen? Numbers chapter 14, let's end on the positive note. So in verse 24, after God saying, these people have tempted me ten times, not hearkening to my voice and not going to go into the land because they provoked me. But listen to verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Verse 38. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were the men that went to search the land, live still. Here's the... Here's the positive thing, saints. There were two people and a new generation that were going to enter into the land. What were their names? Joshua and Caleb. A whole generation who were men of war died in the wilderness because they never conquered Egypt. They never conquered the wilderness. The wilderness brought out the worst in them. But there were two men who conquered Egypt, who conquered the wilderness, And now they're ready to go and conquer Canaan. And their names are Joshua and Caleb. I feel like Joshua and Caleb this morning. Just an old man. But I'm ready to go in. And bring a new generation with me. How many would like to be amongst the Joshua and Caleb's? All the old people. How many would like to be in the new generation? All the young people. And the fair to middling. But Joshua and Caleb... They conquered Egypt. They conquered the wilderness. Now they're ready to conquer Canaan. Everybody said Amen. How many have received the word that we've been sharing? And we'll pick this up. I, I trust that the Holy Spirit is really applying it to your heart, saints, because as we began our series, we sing along about spiritual warfare and we're going to conquer the devil and everything like that. But we're never going to conquer it unless we conquer this. And the reason people don't conquer in the wilderness is because of that pull of the Egypt world. They never conquer there. I want to be in that new generation, the Joshua and Caleb generation and the younger generation that's going to enter right into warfare and march forth conquering into conquer. Let's all stand. We're just going to close in prayer. I've taken a few minutes of your time here, but that's all right and snitched a bit of your fellowship. Amen. Let's uh, close in a word of prayer. And don't forget the meeting tonight, 5.30 prayer. Steve's going to be sharing the word of the Lord with you tonight. Look forward to a great meeting and more than conquerors. Everybody said amen. Amen. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we just come to you in the precious name of our captain, of the Lord's host, our Lord Jesus Christ, who's never lost a battle. And Father, we pray that you'll take the word that we've shared this morning by the Holy Spirit that you apply it individually to each of our hearts. You see the levels we are at, the phases of our experience and our relationship with you. We know, Lord, that no one man can meet everybody's need, but we believe the Holy Spirit can do that through the Word. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll come. Take the Word. And Lord, help us to understand the purpose of the wilderness. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness, and all we have to do is follow. Father, 
We know that the wilderness brings the best of the worst out of us. Help us to understand your purpose, Lord, to humble us and to prove us, to know what's in our heart. And Lord, to see whether we keep your commandments or not. And help us to know that we don't live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. God, we want to be overcomers of Egypt. We want to be overcomers in the wilderness. We want to overcome and enter into Canaan and all that Canaan represents. Seal your word to our hearts, Father. Now we pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit will be our portion till we gather again in His name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Shake hands with each other. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tonight. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.